Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Welcome into the Bleachers. Happy New Year. Yeah, happy freaking New Year, dude. Isn't this great? This is super great. I, I, I'm going to take on the role. It's a whole new year. It's a whole new Blum. Welcome to Bitter Blum. Bitter, oh. ble- bitter Bleacher Blums. <laughs> Spit that out in one Say sentence. that 10 it's been times a hell fast. Of a freaking start to the year if you ask me, pal. Bitter bleacher blums. Yeah, this is the bleachers. Yeah, for all of you who have uh, stayed with us, we welcome you back to a new year. It is 2022. Uh, however you want to phrase that, I've seen different memes about it. I've heard Taylor Swift. Friggin' way too much already with the tw- it's 2022. Give me a break. Uh, all the trending noise and memes and stuff like that. But to, to all of our regulars, we welcome you back. We know that we've got a strong contingent, but if you're new to this podcast, this is Bleacher Blums. My name is Jeff Blum, 14 year Major League veteran. I've got uh, my co host, David Tuttle, across. Across the uh, United States, out there on the left coast, enjoying himself. He he spent some time in the minor leagues. Was also an All American, and just a Team USA guy, and all around good dude. But uh, we're going to talk a lot of baseball. We're going to talk a lot of sports. Well, we can't talk much baseball, dude. This whole lockout situation is is perpetuating itself through into the new year and. As far as we know, it's had ramifications. Now we always assumed it was going to be you know, on the baseball field and affect pocketbooks of, of millionaires, billionaires, and to be honest, thousandaires, because, you know, that's probably the bigger thing is within Major League Baseball and the union, you have those who have established themselves and have multi-year, multi-million dollar contracts, and then you have the younger crowd. You know, the guys, the newbies, the rookies who are breaking in, and you're trying to have them hold the ground because they're only making a couple hundred thousand. I know in in GP terms, that's a ton of money, but in the earning window of Major League Baseball, it's not that much. And it's trying to keep that solidarity and keep that keep that union intact to fight against the owners. But uh, it's been an interesting start. I'll, uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But Tuttle, how are things going? I have a tendency to ramble, and I'm a little bit... Uh, People on Twitter like this this Blum. Mm. They like the sassy, pissy Blum. And to be honest, I'm starting this this year a little bit like that. My wife has already yelled at me several times for having a negative attitude. But, uh, of course, that's why Tuttle is on this podcast. He is the eternal hope on this podcast. David Tuttle, what's up, man? Blummer. Wow. I didn't realize, you know, I do chat with you. We do text. But a lot of time, as you know, tone and text is tough to uh, to fetter out. I have seen your Twitter um um, I guess rants for lack of a better word, but, uh, you know, it's weird. I have a friend from high school, um, and I talked to you, uh, I guess, I don't know if it was offline or online, but you know, I lost a friend recently about two months ago. Um, and so we kind of rekindled with a bunch of friends and she sends out a, uh, an email every year that says, all right, you know, ha- let's just have a word of the year, you know? So now I've translated this to my kids. Let's have a word of the year. You are going to laugh at my word after your little rant here, but my word oh, of the year is positive that's my word of the year so <laughs> we're on. gonna we're gonna be at how many odds. times can we do that we've been saying that since 2020 positive, no. positive. Let's hey positive. well i've had different it keeps i've had getting different better and better doesn't it no i've had different words it's it's <laughs> about what we can control so i'm just gonna try and keep a positive mindset and a positive attitude that doesn't mean i don't get frustrated that doesn't mean i don't rant i will say the people that we know on twitter the high the high leverage people on twitter like the joe rogans of the world and 
you know, people like that, they tell you never read the comments and never respond. They basically <laughs> strafe. They do like they strafe. That would the, be a good they, resolution for me. Right. So they pop the the thing on Twitter and then they get off. They post and they get out. They just strafe and lay the lay the groundwork and get out because they start reading and engaging. And we're all guilty of it. We all feel the tension from others and, you know, obviously the feedback and and let's get back to what we were talking about, the lockout. The lockout's really frustrating. Um, I was listening to something yesterday and they said that this week or last week they were talking about non-core issues <laughs> and having a discussion, listening to somebody talk about what the non-core issues are. They're like, well, these aren't the things that are, they're kind of peripheral. It's like, so why are they all getting together and talking about non-core issues? But I think we've said from the beginning, as long as this doesn't affect spring training or you know the beginning of the season, I think we're going to be okay. But it does seem, um, it does seem like nothing's being done. But it just everything always comes to the eleventh hour, and and it just I, I don't understand why we all wait for that. So now they're talking about non-core issues. There seems to be no urgency, and that's really on both sides. And I think you mentioned the solidarity pieces. You know, if I were a player. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess you got to take advice from your leadership, but I mean, these are how these negotiations go. I think we know how they go. And I think by March 1st, they'll probably have the lockout all resolved and the deal's done and we'll be playing and everyone will say, what was, what were you guys all up in arms about? But it, you know, if every other business ran like this, you'd be like, you know, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, let's, <laughs> let's get this done. So I, I, you know, I wish I had the answers. Um, we have talked about this. This is a little, um, what do I want to say? A disclaimer. Obviously, Jeff Blum, being a, a an employee of the Astros, is very limited in what he can talk about from a lockout perspective. Womp, womp, womp. Womp, womp, womp. But we can talk about Rob Manfred, I believe, and we can probably talk about Ken Rosenthal, oh. um, who was let go from the MLB Network. And I think that that's a really good place to start this podcast because – um, we've talked about um, our veterans, right? Every after every podcast, like the freedoms that we have in America. Um, I've been listening to some. Please don't shoot me, but I've been listening to some podcasts that I trust about vaccination status and all that. And uh, one of the guys I was listening to got kicked off Twitter, and it's kind of like, you know what? He may have a different opinion, and maybe what he's saying isn't even correct. But you can't kick him off Twitter. Like, it doesn't make sense. And the Ken Rosenthal thing falls into that category for me. And so, Blum, I'm going to, like I said, that's the disclaimer. I know we're not allowed to talk about contracts and MLB and the Players Association and how that's going. But um, let's let's dig in a little bit to uh, Ken Rosenthal and, and what we know about um, freedom of speech in America. How about that? Oh, man. Well, ho- hopefully, well, <laughs> your, your Twitter idea kind of runs against the idea of freedom of speech because it's a freedom of ideas, it's exchanging of ideas, and isn't it up to the person to to decipher what's real, what's not, what they can take in and what they what they shouldn't take in? Yeah. That's a whole other animal for a whole lot of other podcasts other than ours it trying is. to get into that political Twitter fight realm. But, uh, you know, it, it, as far as baseball is concerned, and I think it does kind of run into that idea of what is the freedom of speech in, in baseball – and I didn't know this until Ken Rosenthal got fired that you actually have to be careful what you say. And the interesting thing about Ken Rosenthal is, and I don't think I'm going to shock anybody, especially in, you know, in the astro realm of things, is that Ken Rosenthal, for me personally, I have never had a, a bad interaction with him. I've disagreed on ideas. I've disagreed with articles he's written. And so is my dog. Your dog hates Ken yeah. Rosenthal too. No. 
you know, um, I know you're going to jump back. I know you're going to jump back in. But what I was going to say about that is that that's that's the crux of this issue. Like you said, you're allowed to have discourse. You do not have to agree with everything that Ken Rosenthal has ever said. And I know that's where you're headed. Yeah, and 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 that's part of the discussion. And I've actually had conversations where I've run into Ken. You know, I, <laughs> funny enough, I was actually in Boston, and we walked back to the hotel together and had a great conversation where I didn't, you know. I had the conversation where I said, you know, this, that, and, you know, this is how I feel. Why'd you write that? He explained his side, which is great because it helps me understand where he's coming from a little bit more, a little bit more. And knowing that he was a writer for Major League Baseball, he was a, a, a commentator on the, on the MLB network. So I knew his bias was a little more towards the ownership side, towards the, towards Major League Baseball side, not anti-player, but it definitely had a tinge of, I'm on uh, what of what side he was on. That's why I was kind of flabbergasted and shocked that he got actually fired or not. Re- he didn't get fired. He did not get renewed by Major League Baseball. And a lot of the idea was because he had some harsh criticism of Rob Manfred, who is the ca- commissioner of baseball. And that's what threw me for a loop because I know for a fact if you kind of line things up and said how many articles did Ken Rosenthal write pro pro Major League Baseball pro Rob Manfred, you know, even to the the idea of some of these lunatic rules that Manfred comes up with, you know, Ken Rosenthal kind of protected that and encouraged some of those rules. And then all of a sudden during the labor negotiations, Ken Rosenthal kind of says, you know, you know, Rob Manfred's a stick in the mud. He's kind of, you know, sabotaging the game kind of thing. And then all of a sudden he's gone and he doesn't get yeah. renewed. And that's what I think kind of blew everybody away it was, you know, he was so protective of the game itself and what Rob Manfred was trying to do. And then a couple, one or two articles of negative, maybe content against Rob Manfred. And all of a sudden he's not renewed. And that blew me away because there's never been a stronger advocate, whether you agree with him or not of a guy for major league baseball, other than Ken Rosenthal. I think, you know, underlying everything that he's ever written, he has been pro Major League Baseball, and he was a positive influence, man. I mean, a lot of the stuff that he did on Fox, the bow ties and the charity, everything was a, a positive towards the game. That's why it kind of threw me for a loop to see him get uh, racked the way he did, and it gives you an idea of the dictator type ship that Manfred's maybe trying to run the game with. Yeah, I don't know if it's dictatorial, but I, I will say the the what you just said really kind of resonates, which is I, I think I mean you mentioned already about the lockout and what you're allowed to say and what you're not to and and the Astros were very specific and Major League Baseball is very specific. And a lot of times they don't want all these opinions circling and they don't want the they don't want the waters kind of muddied when this is really outside the realm. These negotiations are going to happen with lawyers and some of the players and, you know, all that. So that makes sense not speaking. I work for a company. They tell us, you know, I mean, for example, we're colorectal cancer screening company. We're not allowed to use like poop emojis, right? I mean, things like that. Like, I know, I know it sounds funny, Dang, but what that, a loss. I know, but it's very, but it's very, you know, cause you're not making light of it. It's a strict, it's, I don't know if it's strict, but like, you know what the rules are. But I think to your point, if you slant one way, if you're kind of like the vice president of, you know, marketing or you have a leadership role and more often than not, you're sticking to the company line and you're, you know, as you said, it was more than sticking to the company line. He was actually progressing those ideas that maybe some of the players didn't believe in and some of the fans didn't believe in to say, hey, look, this entity isn't this evil empire you think it is. This is the reasoning behind why they're doing what they're doing. These are some of the thoughts. Like he was 
really foundationally explaining, and as you said, maybe on their side for, um, for a good reason. So then when you say, hey, like hopefully, I mean, you know, even on this podcast, we were joking about you're starting the new year with this fiery, uh, you know, Jeff Blum. You know, I, I'm going to say, hey, look, I'm going to stick to the positivity. I'm going to worry about things I can control. Let's disagree about that and let's challenge each other and let's, you know, let's keep each other honest about, come on, you know, you're being too damn positive, Tuttle. This is just, you know, this ain't going the right way. <laughs> I'm going to break you down. That's right. So, and that's fine, but that's, I welcome that. And I just think if you've had, like you said, a history, judge my character by what I've done and what I've said over the, the over the timeline and over the length of time. And then when I tell you, hey, Blum, you're a stick in the mud, or I really believe that you guys are, you know, steering the ship in the wrong direction, you know, I, then then that's okay. Let's have that conversation. And maybe yes. maybe they got offended because he said it publicly. And, you know, there's all these other things that can get involved in that discussion. But I just think um, what he said wasn't that egregious in the sense that he didn't say that yeah. they're doing anything illegal. He didn't, he didn't say that they're, you know, this is their negotiation tactic. I've said it on this podcast. I mean, taking down the player's name, images, and likeness from MLB.com is really, it's like childish. That's what you do in like third grade. Like, you know, you don't like this kid, so you just cross his face out on the they class draw picture. Draw a mustache and like, <laughs> yeah, you're you know, like, hey. goatee on him. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> hey, I wasn't, you know, we don't like that kid, but you know, we're not, you know. So I just, it, it is. It's frustrating to see that that's where we're going. And as I mentioned at the outset, we're talking about freedom of speech, these type of things. Maybe he got a letter that said, "Hey, Ken, you can't talk about this stuff," and he talked about it, and they just didn't renew him. But it's just not. It doesn't seem like it's the right um, uh, action. Yeah. Uh, and and if Rob Manfred's read, if he's frustrated by what Ken Rosenthal has said, mm-hmm. imagine what you know. Does he read the other comments around the world? I mean, there's plenty of people outside the outside of MLB Network that have just been absolutely railing on him. Yeah. And you, but you know, too, I think what we're trying to say, and to our point, is you know, shouldn't you encourage the conversation? That's something we've we started this podcast on the idea of even if you're listening to us and you hate us and you disagree with us. We're creating the conversation. We're not going to sit there and rebut or, you know, we're going to rebut or we're going to try and have the conversation, but we're not going to discourage anybody. And I think it's wrong to discourage anybody from having the idea that they can't voice their opinion because I've had plenty of conversations and obviously I'm passionate about the game. I'm passionate about my ideas. I'm lucky enough to have a microphone in front of me on a daily basis to be able to have those ideas. But, you know, I've run into situations where I haven't gotten shut down on Twitter, but I've actually had some pretty good conversations on Twitter with Dodger fans, with Yankee fans, with, you know, people around the league where they, they have an argument. And as long as you're coming back and having the conversation in a civil manner, I think that you should encourage that and be able to have that because, you know, self-reflection is sometimes something that you can use to, to make yourself a better person. And I think it's shutting down those voices and only hearing what you want to hear doesn't make you a better person. No, I mean if you if you come into a discussion and you change your mind, I'm more likely to be like, "Hey, that guy's open-minded." I mean, most people come into a discussion and they just want to make you see their point, and if you don't see their point, then they walk away. I mean, they're not there to have a real discussion or change their mind, and I think that's an unfortunate place that we've gotten to um in society in general. I mean, things aren't black and white. Everything is nuanced. There's nuance to everything. Um, you know, the Antonio Brown issue that we saw this last weekend. I, I mean, there's too, yeah. 
Yeah, but there's nuance to it. But I, you know, we heard some stories that it was about money, and it always comes down to money, which is so funny because everyone's like, "Well, was it about his ankle? Was it about the coaching?" No, it's money. He wanted his incentives <laughs> paid up front. But that's nuanced, right? There, there's there's stuff in the middle. So people, I think people that hated what he did still don't like him. They weren't like, "Oh, I see his point." You know, I mean, I just think yeah, we kind of pro- it proved a preconceived notion to a lot of people. I think is what it did. It just reinforced right. people's ideas, or you know, it created right. a new one. But if you, but a lot but of people you, who who had those negative reactions already had that preconceived notion. Exactly, and that's where I'm saying we are all that way on most of these issues. So, like we said, and I think that that's the nuance here is that like you have disagreed with Ken Rosenthal and th- some things that he's written before. And again, he works for MLB Network. I've listened to Rich Eisen on his podcast, and he works for the NFL Network. Mm-hmm. You're definitely going to have a slant. I mean, you have an Astros slant. Oh, I'm going to be played, Astro, yeah. Yeah, no you, played, you played for five teams or whatever, you know, Expos and Astros and Padres and Diamondbacks. You played for all these teams. You have an Astros slant now. You've worked for them for nine years. You should, and you're employed by them. And, and that's part of what you get paid to do, but I think people should understand that and know that, but that doesn't mean that you can't have a discussion with you. And that doesn't mean that you're, you know, that you're, I mean, you were a big critic of the, uh, you know, the Astros during the scandal. You were a big critic of the problem was that the Astros got singled out. And I think we've, you know, we beat that horse, uh, you know, a a million times. But, but the reason I bring it up is that, you know, I think sometimes internally you can still be your own critic, but still have the, you know, the the opinion that look these aren't horrible people. There's other things that were involved, and I just think that we do. There's nuance to everything, and we've gotten in this black and white world, and it doesn't bode well for Major League Baseball and or this negotiation with the Players Association and ownership when somebody within their little network speaks up or has an opinion that's contrary to what they believe, and boom, they're out. So I mean, you know, I don't. I hope that works for, um, you know, all these guys are lawyers, but I hope it works out well for the players' association. And you know, initially we were saying, hey, let's march first. You know, we'll have this all wrapped up, and so everybody can go to spring training and get ready. And um, you know, now we'll we'll wait and see. We're not one hundred percent sure about that. I guess. Yeah, interesting stuff. Speaking of opinions, man, the Hall of Fame and voters and baseball writers, you know, the uh, Hall of Fame is starting to narrow down. We're starting to figure out who's going to become a part of that Hall of Fame. And I actually had the opportunity to to vote a little bit. We talked about Ryan Spader on Twitter, at Ace of Spader, if you want to follow him. He's also got a website, uh, The Ace of Spader, S-P-A-E-D-E-R.com. And he's got a ballot... uh, Ballot harvesting going on over there, if you will. Ballot harvesting. About- <laughs> I like that. <laughs> But he's only asking uh, major league, ex-major league players and current major league players, and he's got an interesting uh, uh, ballots up there. I finally put mine up there. I'm number 51. Uh, I had Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Todd Helton, Jeff Kent, Gary Sheffield, Billy Wagner, and I wanted to put – I forgot to put Andrew Jones on there. I just loved Andrew Jones. But if you want to go check that out, that's great. Uh, as the, far as the player, the players poll that what? he has going is very uh, eerily similar to what's going on with, uh, the major league baseball writers. But I was just kind of curious, do you have any thoughts on what's going on with the, uh, with the hall of fame voting as far as if we're talking about opinions and things like that, we had, I just wanted to, I did, I missed what you said too. I missed what you said about, um, about Andrew Jones. Oh, I, I, I forgot to put him on my ballot for whatever reason. I sent off the oh. email before I put Andrew Jones on there because I'm actually, you know, I read through, I made a comment 
with my ballot. And I kind of said, you know, the guys that I voted for were uh, players that I chose because I felt like they played like Hall of Famers you know, and who had the numbers to back it up. And I really feel like Andrew Jones is one of those guys too because I yeah. focus so much on what he did defensively and there's really not a metric for that. No. Um, I think that he turned – he helped – there were already Hall of Fame pitchers on that pitching staff with the Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, yep. you know, guys like that. But, you know, they would their numbers were enhanced by having a guy like Andrew Jones in center field. Yep. And I just felt like I feel like Andrew Jones, after writing that statement saying guys that played like Hall of Famers, and then I looked at his numbers uh, statistically, stolen bases, the RBIs, the home runs, he kind of adds up and and puts him into that upper echelon of center fielders for me. So he would have been my seventh guy. I would agree. I, and I have two points on that. One is <clears throat> that I, I mentioned this offline before, but Baseball Reference, which we've mentioned on here before, baseballreference.com has, has everybody's statistics. Tuttle's in there somewhere, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, baseballreference.com has all these things, and they have a Hall of Fame metric that takes out none. You know, did you use steroids and that? There's no emotion, no anything like that. And the metric is so funny because I mentioned Barry Bonds is really high on that metric. Stan Musial has like the highest number, I think. But A-Rod's high on that. And the reason A-Rod is higher than Barry Bonds, in my opinion, is exactly your point, is he played defense. A-Rod was a shortstop and a third baseman, and he was a good mm -hmm. defender, at least when he was playing in his prime. I mean, we, we hate A-Rod, that goes without saying. But the reason that he's higher on these metrics is exactly what you said. And if we relate that to Andrew Jones, let's be honest, guys that play defense. I mean, I'm looking at now in this game, like Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts is way more valuable yeah. than a lot of guys because of his defense. They move him around. He has a great arm. He can play defense. Every pitcher, myself included, love to have a good nine behind him or a good eight behind him. And, and you know, we've talked about, you know, Maldonado all the time, like the tools of ignorance. I mean, the guy can bat 180 with 20 home runs and guess what? He's one of the most valuable guys on the team. So you have a great catcher and a great defense. And guess what? That elevates you know, all of your numbers and your team. And I think that, you know, obviously the, the metrics will bear that out. But guys that have played defense and had good offensive numbers are certainly higher. And I think that's why Pudge Rodriguez and I can think of all these other guys that were good call. significantly better because they played offense and defense. And I think Andrew Jones is uh, certainly in that category. And then the second point I wanted to make on that was Andrew Ro Aaron Rodgers made a big um, well, he didn't make the stink this week, but a writer this is came really out. really an interesting and, story. Well, and this relates to what we're talking about, the Hall of Fame. This Hub Arkosh guy came out and said, yeah, uh, I, and what everybody commented on was, anyway, he basically said he wasn't going to vote for uh, Aaron Rodgers for MVP because he lied to the team and he was unvaccinated and he was disingenuous and all his off-the-field <laughs> stuff means that he's not going to get my MVP vote. But the criticism was and the the feedback was that's what people do they You're just don't say it out now. loud and look at yep. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens hmm is this sound familiar like now Barry Bonds is trending at like chilling. 80% because it's the 10th year and yeah. now people are like all right we punished him long enough so the writers know that they're punishing Power. these guys but they also want to they they know that the Hall of Fame would be different without Barry Bonds or maybe Roger Clemens or maybe Kurt Schilling or whatever your opinion is and our baseball writer came out and said, look, I will vote for Kurt Schilling, not because 
he's a political idiot, but because of what he did on the <laughs> baseball idiot. field. Oh, and that was the other th- metric. Gosh, jumping all over. But that was the other metric in that baseball reference Hall of Fame number was postseason got rated higher too, which is why Schilling oh, good, has yeah. a good number in That's there. That's interesting. So if you performed well in the postseason, A-Rod had a lot of postseason at-bats, more than Barry Bonds, right? Because Giants versus, I know. I'm just using A-Rod as the metric based on no emotion, just the numbers. But he falls we into know. that category too for me because I actually wrote it in in a part of my commentary that I had on the on the thing. I didn't vote for Alex Rodriguez. I probably, right. I, I don't know if I ever should or ever will, but it's personal for me. Are you punishing him, Blummer? Are you punishing I'm him? I'm not punishing him because I don't actually have a vote, but in my own <laughs> mind, know. yeah, I'm trying to suppress the idea that he's right. a Hall of Famer. What And the, yeah. part of what pisses me off about Alex Rodriguez was is I played against the guy when he yeah. was not on steroids and the dude was a freaking beast yeah he was awesome. i i loved everything about his game i thought he was a yeah. freak and yeah. all of a sudden he did that and i was like dude he just pissed away every idea i ever had of him right because he did the steroids and did it you know well it, he was also just, a jerk i mean we've talked about lou Pinella yeah, on here before yeah. like you know what lou yeah, Pinella didn't do steroids but he's a jerk of, right <laughs> yeah that's well that's what isn't that what uh hub koresh or whatever that guy's name was yeah, that's hub what he Arkash, said about aaron yeah. Rodgers. he goes he's a bully he's a jerk yeah. i don't like the guy nobody likes him And and Eric Rogers is like, I've never met the guy. How does he know who I am or what I am? Exactly. And and judging him off of vaccination, I mean, that goes back to our previous conversation. Can you? I mean, unless you have the conversation and understand where he's coming from, yeah, or maybe you know a liability he has physically with that. I don't know. There could be a, a an infinite amount of excuses, but judging him on the fact that he didn't take a vaccination and maybe you know he jacked around the rules a little bit. Judging a person off of that after not knowing the guy is kind of brutal, and it skews the vote. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. What you crushed when you were just talking is, you know, we have humans voting for humans. Yep. And if you can't, if you can't go the baseball reference way and draw that line and make it just strictly what's on field, the human element's going to be involved. Right. And we all know the human element is involved. It's just, like I said, the reason that Hub Arkosh got a lot of heat is he said it out loud. And and I will say, and I wasn't intending on talking about Aaron Rodgers, but I think it relates to exactly what we're talking about with these Hall of Fame votes as we watch January 25th is the deadline for this year. And this is Barry Bonds last year, and he's trending at 80%. Either the writers feel like they punished him long enough or all along they knew he was a Hall of Famer and now it's just going (laughs) to – the challenge I have with that is – Barry Bonds getting in, if he finally gets in with the steroids thing, you know, kind of now all of a sudden it's like, all right, maybe A-Rod does get in because they know his numbers are there. Anyway, it'll be interesting. It's not a slippery slope. I, I've i said this before. Just I think Barry Bonds is part of the game and part of the lore, and he was a fantastic player. And people think it's a crummy argument to say he was a Hall of Famer before he did steroids. I mean, based on what you just said, A-Rod was a Hall of Famer before he did steroids yep. too. But, you know, it'll be really interesting, as you said, humans are voting for humans, and I do think there must be some, you know, I mean, look at Andy Pettit. He apologized. I mean, Andy Pettit, of all guys, I played against him, really Christian guy, family guy, just a mild guy, and he came out and said, yep, I did steroids. Like, that guy did steroids? Like, out of all the people, I would be like, no way. And he said, look, I was injured. I wanted to come back. He apologized. Nobody ever brings him up. And nobody crushes that guy ever because we all are looking humility. for humility. That's right. You show humility, and we all look for people to apologize and be contrite. You're like, yeah. So 
Anyway, so we know that those guys are getting punished, but I think it was really interesting this week how the NFL tied into exactly what we're talking about, the Hall of Fame votes, because we know that these writers, these old crotchety writers, we've talked about analytics. and I mean, scouts are old crotchety guys too, you know? These, oh, well, this guy doesn't look like this guy and he doesn't do that. I mean, you know, some of the, we have to, they, they're human, right? They're human. And you know, you're, you're holding grudges this year. That's kind of your, that's your, uh, yeah, that's, that's your my MO. Year's resolution. Hold grudges. Yeah, there you go. Grudge. <laughs> that's your word. Mine's positive and yours is grudge or grumpy or whatever. But anyway, I mean, I just think we're all human, but I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head with what you said, which is, I mean, these are humans voting for humans. It's really interesting right now, as you mentioned, your Hall of Fame ballot um, and how things are trending. But uh, yeah, I, I just, it's weird all along. I just thought Barry Bonds would get in and now he's trending that way. It'd be really interesting if he wasn't. If he had to get voted in by the committee, and you know, I oh, just man. it's anyway, it's a really unusual circumstance, but I have a feeling he's going to get in this year, and that means you know, I don't know, is Clemens, did you see what he's trending at? Is he going to get uh, in? Too? I did so, uh, as far as the players are concerned, the only two players that would be voted into the Hall of Fame, according to uh, Ryan Spader's uh, retired and mm-hmm. current. Major League Baseball players voting, the only two players that would get in would be Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Yeah, and that's because this is their 10th year on the ballot. I mean, it, well, is this so predictable, though? It Jeez. is. It is. And, I, you know, I'd have to re, I'd have to pull up, uh, I think it's Rob Thibodeau. There's a guy on Twitter that has... Uh, that's what you're saying, yeah. That has his, uh, his own... Uh, he's actually doing the ballots from the baseball writers, which is really... It's, it's a fascinating and interesting read because he it's does like, such a good job. It's like watching the vote on... Uh, if you ever watch the presidential election, they get that guy with the oh, algorithm. Yeah. Like, this is the, these are the counties, and Projecting. then this is the... So Thibodeau's that guy for the... Like, all right, this is the writers, and the Northeast writers are saying this, and they're yeah. trending in this way, and now he's trending in this, right? Isn't it the same kind of... It's, it's an Very. algorithm. It's not exact science but yeah so uh it's ryan thibodeau i apologize but uh as far as he's concerned or as far as the writers are concerned it's david ortiz barry bonds and roger clemens as it stands today of april 7 i mean april january (laughs) holy smokes you've held grudges for four months already yeah but uh those three guys (laughs) are being uh would qualify to get voted in it's funny because we've had this hall of fame discussion now for the last two or three podcasts Ortiz was on our list to get in. I said Bond should get in. Clemens is still iffy for me because he's not contrite, but now he's on Twitter, so maybe we should vote him in. But I mean, <laughs> I'm joking, but these are these are the this is what we kind of thought from a trend line perspective. You know, yeah. Schilling. But you're Schilling right, you has called it. Yeah, but Schilling has another year or two, right? Or is this his last year as well? Oh, I I, I haven't investigated that to yeah. be honest with you. But I think he has another year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think he's like I think they're just trending in different directions. But anyway, I don't mean to put you on the spot. You're you're looking at the internet. I have the computer right in front of me. I could do the same thing. But uh, I think yeah, I it's just trending been able for to all see of us. What, what years they are on it? It'd be a lot more typing for me. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of funny. I thought it was kind of funny that we're see, we're seeing you know that late push for Roger Clemens to get in the Hall of Fame, and you know their numbers. Obviously, if we just went strictly on numbers, he's definitely getting it. Seven time uh, Cy Young Award uh, winner. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, after the Larry Walker, Tim Raines situation online with uh, social media kind of pushing those guys to get voted in and they eventually got voted in. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of interesting to see Roger Clemens get out there. It's kind of kind of interesting to see maybe getting that, uh, you know, that, that, that fan base pushing in the right direction to continue uh, him and trending towards that Hall of Fame bid. But uh, he's definitely got the numbers to get in. 
But again, it comes down to humans being human. And I think that might be the, the, consist, the, the theme of this podcast for us is humans being human. You know, it, it's egos, it's, it's ideas, it's opinions, it's bias. I mean, there's so much going on. And in order for us to have these opinions, we've got to do it with our sponsors. And we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor right here. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right. Welcome back. We appreciate our sponsors, and we appreciate you getting through that to uh, listen more about this. And we actually have an update. During that break, Tuttle did some homework <laughs> and got on got online, and we got a, a little update on Kurt Schilling's status on the Hall they- of Fame ballot. Well, you know, the internet is so amazingly easy. I wish we had this when I was in college. Of course, I needed Could you to go imagine to class, how much probably. Better, we would be such better students. <laughs> I, would have been a, I would have been a much better student. That's, I'm going to go with that. I would least a C-plus student. I'm going to stick with that story. That sounds good. Yep, I would have been a better student. <laughs> Mom, are you listening to this? Um, so, is. yeah, so Kurt Schilling last year got 71.1% of the vote for the Hall of Fame, and it was his ninth year of eligibility. He did not get in, so he has to be removed from the ballot. <laughs> he just doesn't want to be on the ballot this year. The funny thing is, he's been getting written in, and I think he's still trending in there. People are still voting for him, but he, uh, you know, he's a very politically motivated guy, and he just thought, hey, take me off the ballot for my 10th year because if I couldn't get in last year, when it's only when I'm only up against Clemens and Bonds, essentially as my peers, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's even had, had enough of himself. Yeah, that's right. There you go. That's a great way to say it. So, yeah, seventy-one point one. So this is his last year as well. So it'd be really interesting. We have Ortiz, Bonds, Clemens, and then uh, potentially Schilling and Scott Rowland is trending uh, pretty well too. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how this class goes and uh, be really interesting for Scott Rowland to get in. If only five guys get in and you go in with Ortiz, Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, and Rowland, who doesn't have any sort of PED attachment to him, be like, all right. Yeah. You know, he'd be the, he'd be the third, the odd man out there. Be like, all right, great. Yeah. You, but it'd be a fun class to go in with. I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. It would be a really fun class. I mean, those, some of those speeches would be highly entertaining. You know what's crazy about Kurt Schilling is last year he finished at 72, just over 72%. Oh, He's I thought it was right 71.1. Now, yeah. Yeah, well, according to Sorry. Ryan Thibodeau's website, I went back wow. and looked at last year's uh, final standings, and he was at seventy-two percent. Wow, he was. And close. then this year, he's at fifty-seven point four. 
See, he so he's he's taking a big slide backwards, man. Maybe because he has to be taken off the ballot. I mean, they have to write him in or something. I don't know what the ballot yeah, looks like. You're not a voter you, either. But if they writers took him being off, human, they probably <laughs> said, "All right, screw you," yeah. and just basically left him off. So I'm sure yeah. that that uh, probably influenced it a little bit. I was just gonna finish one. Last. The odd thing is, he's so. Well, anyway, so politically motivated, like he has to be taken off. He won't get in this year, and then he'll just spend the rest of his life saying, "Hey, I asked to oh, be yeah. taken off. I can't believe I didn't get in." Like the conversations, are just you know, it's just too much. The Hall of Fame. You talked about humility earlier, and then we'll transition. I just, uh, you know, I mean, the numbers are the numbers. They are what they are. You know, you you got your number retired in your high school, and I was elected into my high school Hall of Fame. It wasn't something that I campaigned really hard for. <laughs> It was something that just happened kind of that good. If, it, well, if, ethereally, I mean, I don't even know if I was that good. It was just something that people felt the need to, you know, recognize, which is great. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. not something you need to campaign for. I mean, I'm sure it was a great day. We've talked about that, you know, last year or two years ago, but I mean, it's not something you need to campaign for. If you need to campaign for it, then, you know, you should probably pack it in and go elsewhere. You heard it here. If you've got a campaign for your Hall of Fame, bid by yourself and try and, and push it, and then maybe you don't deserve it. Bingo. I'm with you on that. You know what's crazy is that, you know, college sports uh, transitioning real quick and taking a hard left turn, it, it, getting into college sports has been fascinating watching, you know, the bowl season unfold with some of the COVID issues, teams being written in, end zones being erased, rewritten, and erased again for a new team that comes in and plays. <laughs> you know, so that, you know, Omicron has taken over sports again, uh, rescheduling of the NBA. But the NCAA has been fascinating to me just in the bowl season because we're seeing uh, two SEC teams now that I'm an SEC parent uh, watching, you know, two of these powerhouses get after it. I think the two best teams are in that national championship game. I don't know if you feel the same way, but Alabama and Georgia are two very good teams. And I think it's kind of interesting too. I believe it'll be the third time that they play each other. Correct. And uh, so there's always that familiarity breeds contempt and being in the SEC and competing as often as they as they have, I think it it's going to be a fiery matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun to see if Georgia can adjust to what Nick Saban does with his athletes. But at the same time, a, a word keeps coming up and a situation keeps coming up in a lot of the articles that I've been reading, and it's fascinating to me, and I didn't realize it was going to spiral as, as crazy as it has been because we've talked plenty about coaching transition, coaches coaching moves, how coaches can move at, at a whim uh, and, and get out of contracts and leave players at institutions where they re- were recruited and beloved, and now we're starting to see this thing called the portal. There is a player portal now in the NCAA where I basically feel like it is collegiate free agency. There are players now that can put themselves in the portal. Who is it? Campbell, the uh, quarterback for Oklahoma. Uh, we know that uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, Will, Caleb Williams, sorry, is uh, in the portal. And what I read, what I found fascinating about that, and what kind of piqued my interest about it is, is that he goes into this portal and kind of throws himself out there, like, "Hey, I'm available." But at the same time, I'll go back to Oklahoma if I can. So if I don't get any other suitors, I'll be more than happy to go back to Oklahoma. So that's where it kind of intrigued me a little bit. I, I don't know if this is good or bad for football, but are we teaching these kids to, you know, to to fault, you know, default on commitments? Or what what are we doing here? What are we doing? That sounds like a an Eric Mangini quote. Be an right? o- the office, Kazan- Kazansky or whatever his name is. What are we doing? 
That's right. But but it's crazy because Caleb Williams did that, and I think he thought he could go back to Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel, who was a really successful quarterback um, for Scott Frost um, with the other guy that Nebraska. blew out of me and went to Florida State. Yeah, well, Frost is there now, but at UCF when they were there. Dylan Gabriel is oh, a yeah. UCF guy, went to UCLA. Just this Monday, he was going to attend his first class and play for Chip Kelly at UCLA. Caleb Williams at Oklahoma entered the transfer portal. Dylan Gabriel entered the transfer portal and went to Oklahoma. So I don't know if <laughs> Caleb Williams actually has the opportunity oh, wow. to go back to Oklahoma if he wants. And you think Caleb Williams would be a great fit at USC because he just was with um, the coach. coach. Yeah, that's right. So he's going to follow his coach over there. So, I mean, it is wacky. It's crazy. The other guy that cracked me up or... You know, you were just talking about being an Arkansas dad. You're not there yet. I know your daughter's going to attend next year, so just hold off on that. Next year, you will be a full-on <laughs> SEC parent. Well, it's going to be a different team. Right, but Nix, the quarterback for Auburn, who started as like a redshirt oh, yeah. freshman, has been there for three years and, you know, had a game where, you know, he played well against uh, Alabama, and they were saying, oh, this guy's the next whatever. And then they've had two mediocre seasons, changed their coach down there. And he's now transferring from Auburn to Oregon. But when you think about it from a program perspective, if you're a college coach and you have all the pieces in place, we look at now, to, let's go NFL to NC, and all those guys, if you're a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, it's like, look, we've got our guy. But it's yes or no. And I heard this yesterday. It's a great point. I got to give credit, but I can't remember who said it. Anyway, there is no mid-level NFL quarterback contract. There's either a high level or an yep. introductory level, like your first deal. So that's why Kirk Cousins, Derek, or Derek Carr, people like that, like they're in the top 12 quarterbacks in the NFL. They are, and that's why they get paid $40 million. Now with, yep. um, with Mayfield, he's on that cusp of like, do we or don't we? But it's, a, it's always a black and white question. It's not like, you know what? It's always he's okay. Now. Right. We can, we can get him for like $25 million. It doesn't work like that. You're either getting paid $10 million or you're getting paid $40 and I think the same thing with the NCAA. If you're trying to run a good program and you have Alabama's defense or Georgia's defense um, and you have a, some skilled wide receivers, all you need is an experienced quarterback. We saw it in the NCAA basketball. Yeah. Like either in basketball, you're, you're Calipari and you have the five greatest recruits of all time on one floor and you got to mature them over the year or you're playing Loyola of Chicago that has four seniors and a junior that move the ball and know how to play like lights out. Virginia won it that year the same way. So if I'm a mm -hmm. coach, all I need is that piece. It's the head of the monster. Hey, would you be willing to come to my school? You're a fifth year senior grad guy that you're running the same offense here. We want you over here. Why wouldn't you take that guy? And and then to finish that point, this week um, they were saying Harbaugh is interested in going back to the NFL possibly. God, and they're saying yeah. he had to take a pay cut last year. He won 44 games in the NFL and took a team to the world uh, to the Super Bowl. Like he's a legit coach. And he did a lot at Michigan this year. If I were a college coach and had that opportunity, I mean, Urban Meyer just torched that for so many college coaches. But Harbaugh, because he has success, he has that little trap door back in. Would you want to be a college coach? We've talked about their freedom to move. But would you want to be a college coach when now it's not just recruiting, but now you have to recruit the 70 or 90 dudes that are on your side and going, hey, are you happy? What about you? You're second on the depth chart. I'll move you up there. If you, I mean, like you're mm -hmm. recruiting all the time. I would be like, hey, if I'm Harbaugh and I get an NFL job, like the Chicago Bears job or something, I'd be like, I'm yeah. out of here. I'm just going to go back Dude, to the pros. I would pros. take that with Fields as my quarterback. Right. But I'm just saying that that's the part that bothers me as a coach. Yes. Like, yes, they had 
the freedom before. So as a fan, the loyalty, like, hey, Nix was our quarterback at Auburn. Now he's at Oregon. Do you become an Oregon fan or do you just hate the guy? And then as a coach, hey, I have to be recruiting all the time. Oh, I heard mm-hmm. this rumor. I heard that rumor. It That would be too much. So they're going to have to, I know they opened it up because of COVID, but I think that's probably going to get shut down at some point. I, I don't know what you yeah. think, think about oh that. Oh my gosh. Well, we know that we talked about dictatorships earlier with Major League Baseball. The NCAA is definitely one of those uh, entities that is not afraid to wield its power. And I think that they are going to start to recognize this. And once the COVID era is over, they're going to adjust to it a little bit and maybe put... Um, maybe put some stipulations in there that say you've got to be at a program for at least two years before you enter that, uh, you know, that portal. But I think the idea also is the idea of coaching in college has changed a little bit because I know when we were coming up and up until maybe in the last six or seven years when, you know, when coaches started to move around so much, there was really the idea of college, college sports were where you grew up and where you matured and where a lot of the coaches in, whether it be female or male sport, when you were coaching these collegiate athletes, you were, you were molding human beings. You were, you were teaching them to be human. You were teaching them to, to grow. You were teaching them to become great athletes, good students, and good people as they moved on. I think that was the idea, whether it be matriarchal or patriarchal, it was an idea of that you were that surrogate parent that was continuing the education in sport, in, in uh, uh, athleticism, and in academics before they took on the, 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 this crazy thing called life. Mm-hmm. And now the idea is, where can I get the most money? Where can I have the biggest impact? Where can I continue my name and continue my legacy? And maybe the idea of legacy is gone too. And the leg- once that legacy leaves, then there's no dedication from the player to state an institution either. And it does make it tough. You touched on the fan base. Ultimately, that's who's going to start piping up and going, dude, why am I wearing, why am I wearing this Arkansas Razorback, you know, uh, football t-shirt if, you know, if I'm cheering for a guy this year and he's gone next year, you know, there's nothing yeah. to look forward to. So there is going to, the NCAA is going to step in eventually, but it's just fascinating to me that the, yeah. the you know, some of these better players are treating it like free agency. And it's another, it's a, and somebody, there was an article, like you said, that we've read that it's a, it's another recruitment era. You know, now there are coaches who look into the portal and go, Oh, I want that guy at my program. He would really make us better. Yep. And they're looking on their own sideline. That was the other thing. And, and, you know, I'm going to sound like grumpy old guy, which I've sounded like before on here. That's what I'm talking about. Give me some grumpy tunnel. Yeah. But, but it's frustrating because, you know, now having your daughter getting ready for college, my son's, you know, about to enter that whole like application process and look at schools and, you know, he has some ideas, but that was kind of the place you kind of shoved your kid off to become mature, right? They learned how to pay bills. They learned how to drink yes. beer, possibly, <laughs> um, you know, well, I- ignore their hey, parents. You, you and I did that, the same thing. I learned a lot in college. That's and it right. wasn't necessarily in the classroom all the time. No, that's right. There's that freshman, sophomore year of college when, you know, the the bird gets out of the nest and they're kind of learning and, you know, you've hopefully that you've built this great foundation for your kids. Um, this, this is... This is what college was for. These guys come in now already mature too. Like I've been yeah, to true. seven quarterback Specimen, camps and you know yeah. Peyton Manning knows who I am and Trevor Lawrence comes in and Great you've got this point. you've got an entourage of people when you're a 17-year-old quarterback leading modern day like, you know, like uh the Heisman Trophy winner Bryce whatever. What, what's Alabama's quarterback name again? Uh yeah. anyway, uh, it's just so funny how the stuff escapes you when you're trying to make a point. But anyway, when you're the quarterback at modern day, like Matt Leinert was, or the Alabama quarterback, all these guys, you, um, are you looking them up? You are. Yeah. Go ahead and keep going. All it's Bryce. Young. Oh, that's fine. 
Bryce Young, thank you. I knew I got Bryce right. How about that? But Bryce Young, when you have Matt Leiner, Bryce Young, these guys are at modern day, they don't come to your program like Alabama, like, all right, here's your knapsack and your duffel bag. Like, good luck over at college. They come in like, all right, which which college do I want to go to? Do I want to play for Nick Saban or do I want to play for Kirby Smart or maybe even Chip Kelly here locally? Um, you know, and what do you think, agent advisor? What do you think, dad? What do you think, like advisor marketing firm? Quotations. That's yeah. right, advisor. Thank you. <laughs> But but I mean that's funny because I told you I worked for an agent after I finished playing baseball. But we were advisors when we were watching mm. high school games. Yeah, we're not an agent. You don't. I don't sit next to the dad and talk to him the whole game. Like anyway, it's just a really interesting. So I think that part that's the other part of this transfer portal or the disparity is these kids come in at seventeen, eighteen. And they already have the entourage. Like I went to, mm-hmm. you know, you and I played in the area code games. I went to college and I was just like everybody else. Yes, I got a scholarship, but me and the other five freshmen had to rake the field and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. do the laps and like pull all the equipment out. Like we had to do all the stuff as, as did you. And I, and I'm, you know, that's kind of the grouchy old man, grumpy old man stuff. It's like, these guys come in already like touted and that's why it's hard to have humility. Hey, yeah. at 17, I led, you know, modern day to a state championship or a national championship. Who wants me? Who wants me yeah. and this team of 20 people and my advisors and my family? And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pay for, you know, I'm going to pay for their house when I hit it big. That's a lot different level of maturity. And I give them credit too. Bryce Young, I mean, dude, the guy's super mature. He's He may be more mature now than I was, than I am now. Oh, <laughs> like 30 years that. ahead of me. I yeah. mean, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I, I believe that some of these guys, they're almost too mature too early for some of these, enjoying the fact that they are uh, badass on campus and yeah. enjoy being an idiot and making mistakes, yeah. man. Right. Yeah. Just not on Twitter. I definitely Twitter. did. <laughs> yeah. yeah and just we don't did, do it in social learned. media. That's right. Yeah. We never had hazing parties for the baseball team. Anyway, um, yeah. is there, a, is there a, a statute of limitations on that? Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. So Blumber, let me, let me transition to one last thing I wanted to say. We, we're just, dude, we haven't seen each other in a long time. We're just fired up today. We've got a lot of catching up to do. Up. It's okay if we let this one go a little bit. It's just more work for Mark. There you go. Yeah. Which is fine. He's, he's had a couple of weeks off. I mean, he did put the all, the, uh, the eyeball on us right now. Damn it. Yeah, that's all right. Um, keep the producer so happy. Yeah, so I, you know, this isn't really a segment-based podcast anymore, but uh, the what'll tuttle say, what'll tuttle say. Uh, this week, um, it's really hard to remember back this far, but uh, when Minnesota played their bowl game, they were up big. I don't know if you remember um, the Minnesota coach came from Western Michigan, I believe. He's the row the boat, PJ Fleck, row the boat mm-hmm. and all that, and he has the oars and all this stuff. I watched that game. It was the only bowl game on. It was before Christmas. I was so impressed. I, I want PJ Fleck as my coach for my kid or whatever, anytime. Every time there was a play, and I watched the whole game because I noticed it, and they never mentioned it in the comments or anything like that. If you, I bet we could YouTube it or look it up, and I, and I should have done that before this podcast. The Minnesota players all hand the ball to the referee. Like after every play, oh, yeah. after every friggin' play, I've never seen a team do it. I see guys flip it to the ref. I see the guys look for the umpire and hand him the ball, or they throw it, or they just throw it on the ground, or they put it down. It was a conscious effort. Every single player on Minnesota handed the ball to the ref. I mean, like hand to hand, like you were shaking their hand. It was unbelievable. And I was like, that's good coaching. I mean, in the heat of the game, to be able to keep your, you know, your wits about you, like the guy was frustrated, he didn't make it on a third down, and now it's fourth down or whatever, the running back would walk over and hand the ball to the ref. I was like, that is the kind of 
coaching that you want your kids to get. And I think it bodes well. I think it would go to the major league baseball. I started thinking about this in the higher, like higher level. It's like running out ground balls. Yeah. You got Mm -hmm. fisted on a ball, you know, it rolled 10 feet, run the friggin' thing out. Like that's, you know, take it out on yourself. You're pissed. I'm going to run really hard. And you've seen guys do that. And, you know, professionals certainly do that. I was, I was overly impressed with such a simple gesture. And then I started watching. I was in the second quarter. I'm like, are they handing the ball to the ref every time? Yeah, they are. Third quarter, yep. Receiver's out of bounds, Go finds the back judge, hands him the ball, hands him the ball. It was like, it was awesome. I was like, I've never seen that in a program. And maybe it's like me, again, old man, like I'm impressed by that. Like, you know, Alabama doesn't hand the ball to the ref and they kick the crap out of you. <laughs> but it was impressive, man. So PJ Fleck gets a gets a tip of the cap and, you know, I don't know if you've seen anything like that, if there's a corollary, but it, it was impressive. No, but that, that goes back to what we just talked about with the idea of coaching in college is helping these guys mature. And I do yeah. think that there is a certain amount of freedom, since we're talking about freedom, there's a certain amount of freedom in discipline. And yeah. I think that if you are consistent and in your actions, whether it's going well or going bad, I think that makes you a better human being. And it makes you a little more adaptable to situations. And one of the things when I always go out and speak to, uh, you know, whether it be an organization, a corporation or a high school, you know, is the idea of in your failures, embrace the failures. And I, the reason I want to embrace the failures and hand that football to that referee is I'm going to be the same guy when I go out there and hit the grand slam or the guy when I break off a 25-yard run for a scoring touchdown. I'm going to continue to be the same guy. And I think it develops an expectation of, of consistency. And that's the one thing lacking in, in, in humanity these days yep. is that consistency. Yep. And I think that's what that creates, both in good and bad situations. No matter what I've done or what just happened, I'm going to hand this football. I'm going to show the respect to the referee for his job. And I think more or less, and what I always felt is running out of ground ball shows respect to the game and it res- and it shows respect to the opportunity you are playing in this game which is a luxury. You know, this is a privilege to go out there and play those games. So why would you disrespect that privilege that you've been given? But I think it's awesome. I think it does speak to uh the old world, the old guard when you do recognize things like that because those are the subtleties that that a guy like you or a guy like me would appreciate because We've seen the good, we've seen the bad, and we just want to be, you know, when we show up, we want that person to understand that no matter what is going on, whether it's grumpy-ass Blum or happy-ass Blum, it's still going to be the same dude at the end of the day. And that, so, I mean, that's just the attention to detail that I think some of us look for when we're watching it. You know, it's like that in golf when they show the respect and look to the guy next to them. Is it my turn? Is it your turn? You know, there's a certain right. respectability in, in doing yeah. that. And there's a certain amount of honor. And you, you know, you know who probably noticed it the most? is that uh, coaching staff. And why wouldn't you try and just be a little yeah. more courteous to that, to that uh, not coaching staff, but to the, uh, the officials. Ref. Be a little That's more right. courteous to the officials. Maybe you'd get that call going your way too. I'm teaching my daughter this now, and your daughters play volleyball, so it's a little bit different like with the net and everything. You know, I'm, I know very little about volleyball, but obviously the violations you know, that happen at the net, whether you touch the net prior or whether yeah. it was you know, all that little stuff. But in baseball, I'm teaching my daughter in soccer. I said, look, you're a 12-year-old soccer player. Go to the referee. If that girl knocks you down or she's doing it, and just say, hey, look, she's tugging my shirt. She's holding me when I'm trying to make a run. And just say that. That's all you have to say. Like, hey, watch them tugging my shirt. Guarantee. I mean, I tell her all the time, you guarantee you get a call or two 
just a foul call and that's fine. That's all you want. And just, and you and I did this, you know, throughout our professional careers, even in college, because college, those umpires, we did not have like, I mean, it was, it was volunteer work. I mean, those guys got paid, but and the you NCAA the refs over at, and over again, right? Too. Over and I mean, the San Francisco State game or the oh, or the USF game was yes. the same as the Cal game and the Stanford game, and they were all same important guys. to you. And you were like, "Yes, I got this guy behind the plate today because mm-hmm. he was good to me, and I'm good to him." Like you know, it's just anyway. It's 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 humans judging humans. Bingo. That's the there theme of the podcast, right? The I mean, it comes it comes back, but I it, it anyway. The PJ Fleck thing I just looked up. The ball is the program. Those are the signs they have around their thing, and they're big on turnovers and oh, protecting wow. the ball. So there you go. You don't throw the ball. You don't drop the ball. You don't lose the ball. You hand it to the ref and you move to the next play. So, but I, I you nailed it. I mean, that's a variation of Jocko Willink's discipline is freedom. People yeah. think like being organized and disciplined means oh gosh you're strict and you don't have any no. If you get up every day without your snooze alarm, you brush your teeth, you floss your teeth, like that discipline creates the freedom to be who you are and what you want to do. And I think that's um, that's a great little nuance to what we're what we're talking about. Yeah, it's good stuff. And that's what happens when you get on this podcast and talk about it a little bit. And Waddle Tuttle is always good, not going to be so subtle in what he says and bring up <laughs> some excellent ideas. Uh, I'm just going to finish off this podcast with a little rant of my own and just giving some insight into the reason why I'm so freaking bitter to start off this 2022 year. Give it is to it, us, uh, Blum. Give it yeah, to us. Bring it. Is the fact that I went into the Christmas break with eternal hope. We talked about uh, going to Florida and going to Disney World, the happiest freaking place on earth. And guess what? I ran right into the right into the teeth of COVID. I put myself right in the bullseye. And guess what? I wore it. Uh, myself, my wife, and one of my daughters. We got COVID. Of course, my daughter, you know, has a headache for a day and a half, and she's like, "I'm fine," and everything's great. Uh, Corey wears it. Uh, she, she's on the mend. I, I am on the mend. I sound 100% better than I did uh, about three or four days ago. But uh, I took COVID on the chin. I've t- you know what is funny? It's a good thing we're doing this thing remotely because I think I'm 10 days in and I tested positive again. So I'm just waiting for this thing to go away. But uh, I took a Z-Pack. Z-Pack knocked out what was, whatever was going on. But it was just a really severe sinus infection. But it took the joy of Christmas away. It took the joy of the new year away. My kids weren't around me. I I had a bunch of touch-me-nots in the house. It sucked. You know, my dogs, you heard them barking already. They were annoying. Everything was annoying, and 2022 can only get better as long as I get rid of this Rona thing and get the CBA out of the way and all this junk, but... That explains some of the bitterness. And if you've been following me on Twitter, at Blummer27, you're coming to the harsh realization that it is bachelor season again. I don't know if you noticed this, Tuttle, but uh, I, I watched the the opening episode of of The Bachelor, so please follow me at, Bl- at, at Blummer27, and I will give you plenty of updates on The Bachelor, because that's where I'm at in this godforsaken COVID-ridden lockout situation that I'm in, is that I'm now watching the freaking bachelor. I, Damn I had it. you pegged as a Joe Millionaire guy. I keep seeing that, so uh, the ads for that. But no, no Joe Millionaire. Are they bringing that back? 
Wasn't that a yeah. thing? Joe Millionaire's on the air again, so maybe you just... You know what I did like was The Amazing Race. Right. We should do The Amazing Race. Tuttle and I, we need to petition for The Amazing Let's Race. Let's do it, brother. Hey, so I thought the way Corey posted that, and you know, your lovely wife, I, I do follow... Um, oh, yeah, she, yeah, follow my wife at Corey Blum Design. She's always throwing me under the bus. Yeah, she had you on the couch, and I, you know, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's really hard on Instagram. I don't have the sound on all the time. You know, there's different ways to get... And I'm like, yeah. what is... And they spell your name, by the way, when she has the dictation, it spells your name. I know, when they do the dictation. I love that. It's J-E-F-F. like, and she what says, that's my alter there ego. You go. But that's that's who's watching <laughs> The Bachelor is your alter ego. But yeah. but I thought you were happy to be watching The Bachelor again. Is that not the case? I'm so I actually sorry. was, oh, man. Go. Dude, I took down notes. All right. I have notes. All right. Well, we're going to have. Yeah, but I'm not going to get into oh, those. Well, next podcast. Here we go. There, yeah, stay tuned. That's known as a tease, <laughs> even in the podcast industry. We have a tease for the next podcast. That's all That's all we got, I believe, right? That is it. That's going to do it for Bleacher Blums. Obviously, a lot of catching up to do, some great topics. And again, we are all humans being human. So show a little humility, show a little grace in life, and uh, it'll go a long way. And continue the conversation for crying out loud. That is one thing that Tuttle and I will always encourage, no matter if we have the same idea or differing ideas and, you know, even if Mark won't talk to us on our own <laughs> podcast, we we, can, we want to encourage the conversation. We appreciate everybody out there who is a first responder, uh, EMTs, policemen, firemen. We appreciate everything you're doing. We know Colorado's going through their issues with all the fires and things like that, but we just pray for your well-being. Uh, we, we, we thank you for everything you've done to put yourself in harm's way to make us better as far as a community is concerned. And of course, all of our military, we appreciate you, those home and abroad. Uh, what we already got the first responders. What about essential uh, workers and teachers? Uh, uh, teachers? Yeah, teachers getting back into the mix in this Omicron era is kind of kind of sketchy. But at the same time, we appreciate the effort and the adjustments you're making. Doctors, nurses, everybody out there, we greatly appreciate you. Thank you for listening into the Bleacher Blums. Make sure that you share this podcast. Spread the word that Bleacher Blums is starting off the new year. Aggressive, aggressive. That's say. the word. That's the combination. Yeah. That'll, that'll be the appropriate. Yeah. yeah. But uh, continue. Humans being human. Yeah. All right. Tuttle, take us home. Hey, just going to say a few things. This isn't political, but about the uh, the Omicron thing is not, you know, the anti-vaxxed people thought they would spread this. So hopefully, I mean, like you said, you seem pretty asymptomatic, but it's a mild thing, um, you know, but that's the that's going to be the challenge is like you said for the teachers and all the people we were talking about first responders uh medical professionals is that this thing is spreading and that's why the flights are getting canceled it's a staffing issue so i'm unfortunately scheduled to go to orlando next week i'm sorry not next week the week after and that's where you got it so now i'm nervous i'm like ah why would they put us on a flight to go out there i don't know maybe my flight will oh, get dude, canceled and I, i'm the i'm the vaxxed i'm the masked no. i'm the i'm that yeah, guy no. and i got it so, i know i'm vaxxed and i'll be masked if i fly out there but i just think you know what do they say? Hands up, elbows there you in. There go. Hands up, elbows in. So there you go. That looks like a boxer for me. But uh, but anyway, so obviously take care of yourself. Stay healthy. Uh, quarantine if you need to. But uh, you know we're all going to have herd immunity soon. This Omicron has been a mild yeah. variant, but also a very spreadable variant. And uh, that, that, that should bode well for society in general. Maybe this getting back to normal thing point. is good. So uh, yeah, yeah, if you're over the age of 45, please get screened for uh, colorectal cancer. And um, we always, always encourage you, even on some of our merchandise and logos, to uh, get after it and believe it. Believe it. Mark.
Did you say hi to us today? Ramos, did you say hi to us today? Hey, Mark Ramos, how are you? Happy New Year. Good to, good to chat with you. Yeah. Sir talks a lot. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, like, he we've just been on the thing. He hasn't said a word. Have fun editing my dogs out of this, Mark. Love you. 